They want me to get rid of my dog. Can they do that? I'm being fined for leaving my garage door open too long. What are covenants? Do I have any rights? Help, I feel like I've left the American Zone. If you want the answers to those questions, join me, Sue Bartholomew, and my guests on The Commons every Saturday from 2 to 3 right here on WBR Fairfax Radio. We'll ask the experts and we'll untangle the truth about what's left of our property rights. On the Commons is a weekly radio show dedicated to discussing the many issues surrounding mandatory membership homeowners associations. Join us as we explore this relatively new world of controlled living, which includes condominiums, cooperatives, and both attached and detached single-family homes. Living in a common ownership development means giving up the American dream. It means giving up your constitutional rights and control over your most valuable asset, your home. Living in a homeowners association means leaving the American zone. This is On the Commons, and I am Shu Bartholomew. Joining us today is someone that my listeners always want me to clone, and his name is Bill Davis. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Shu, or I guess it's afternoon for both of us now. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, it's afternoon, definitely afternoon for me, so... Bill, thank you so much for joining me. I know that you are one busy dude, and um, I have to track you down and track you down and chase you down and hold you down and say, Bill, you will be on the show with me today, and you're still going to forget. Thank you. I did. I did. I'm sorry. I did. I did. Sorry. No, that's okay. Well, I got you. I got you. You you got me. I get what I want, Bill. (laughs) No, no places. uh, There's no place to hide from Sue. Okay. You know, with a cell phone, it's your electronic leash, so. (laughs) It is. You you can't get away. You can't get away from it. So, Bill. Bill, let me let me ask you something. CAI does these. biannual surveys, and I don't know why they insist on spending that much time on talking to people and finding out what they think of HOAs. But interestingly enough, Bill, every time they do it, the number of the responses are overwhelmingly in favor of HOAs. I mean, we're not talking marginally over in favor of HOAs, but overwhelmingly in favor. So if you listen to that, you would think that everybody is out there saying to their realtors, I want to live in an HOA. Find me something in an HOA. But that's not the case. That's not what's happening, Bill. That's not what's happening. They're telling them, I don't want to live in an HOA. But they can't find anything. Doesn't it? Kind of the fact that they do this doesn't it raise a few questions. Like if it was so great, why do you have to keep doing these surveys? And for those of us that have ever lived in one or involved in seeing what happens, you know, what this industry does behind the scenes, it begs the question: of Who are they actually talking to in these surveys? Why do you need the false propaganda if it's such a great thing to begin with? But it's sort of like if it was really great, then you wouldn't need this. And and if you have such an overwhelming positive 
uh, response, why do you keep doing it? Because you're not, you know, you're certainly not convincing any uh, new people or I, I don't know. It's uh, it, it, To me, it just raises more questions. It certainly doesn't. You certainly shouldn't accept it for its truth because we, we know it's not true. <laughs> well, well uh, we do. And plus, I hear from a lot of people and the horror stories continue. And I know that you hear from a lot of people because one of you are one of a handful of attorneys across the country that, that represents homeowners. And so they come to you because they need help. And so if they were overwhelmingly happy, why would they do that? Why would there be so many lawsuits, either one against the other, homeowners against HOA or HOA against homeowners? Yeah. Because it's such a wonderful, you know, environment, and everybody's in this utopia, and it's happy, and it preserves property values. Yeah. Actually, nothing that industry <laughs> says is true. Nothing. And they have no empirical evidence after decades of being a trade organization. They've had no empirical evidence that HOAs do anything but make money for the vendors, not for the homeowners. They're very costly to the homeowners. You know, the value of your home depends on it's not what a realtor tells you or what somebody else tells you or what you hope you can sell it for the true value of your home is what a buyer is going to pay you for that home that's the value of your home now if somebody says oh we're going to protect your property value then the values are going to go through the roof but unless you get someone who comes in and says here you go I am going to give you $12 million for this house that you paid $6,000 for 10 years ago and haven't done anything to, then that's where the property, you know, that's not going to happen. Understand what the value is. I mean, people need to understand that the value is not what CAI says it is. The value isn't what a realtor says. Well, a realtor, yeah, because they'll compare it to other ones. But, you know, the value of your property is going to what the value of your property is is what it's going to be what someone's willing to pay you for it right and realtors are not you know at least in this state they have uh, real estate agents or or licensed brokers or agents have absolutely no right to make a determination of value they can determine they can determine what price to market something at but they're not appraisers. Appraisers are separately licensed in this state. And one thing that, you know, CAI and its minions commonly talk about is, oh, no, this preserves property values. Since when has there ever been an analysis of what effect these things have on property values? Um, and in value, there's, there's, there's more than one kind of value. There's the dollar value, which, of course, the realtors are interested in because they get paid a percentage of the dollar value. But there's also the use and enjoyment aspect for a homeowner and when that is completely ripped away it doesn't really have much value to the homeowner you're not interested in being there you don't want to live in that environment it's it's pretty ugly but even in an economic environment when they talk about preserving property values well um, it, it's supposed to be a house it's not a stock and the value is going to change regardless I mean, nobody wants to be locked into a particular value for forever so you know even saying it preserves property values is a little bit equivocal because you don't want to lock, be locked into 1950 values when it's 2020. So, um, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I'm serious. It, it's just, <laughs> and then the HOA does not, you know, there's also the carrying cost of the HOA, which people uh, don't want to account for. 
uh, the threat of loss of your home, which people want to ignore. I'm uh, not to get too bogged down in current cases, but I was asked to assist in the case where uh, special utility districts in Texas have been given the ability to enforce restrictive covenants under the theory that they, uh, you know, this was done by a developer uh, originally um, who didn't want to have an HOA, but he was going to be in control of the district or the special utility district, at least for a while. And the reason for having a special utility district is to find a way to tax without, you know, the other local governments providing for it, all the utility infrastructure. So the people that bought houses built by the developer are also paid the utility district for um, the infrastructure, uh, or at least for the water and sewer and and all that other kind of stuff. The H O there's no there's not even really an H O A in this in this place, and um, and so the H O A attorneys have come in and they claim no, we're here to represent the utility district and we're here to enforce the restrictions to preserve the tax base. Of the district. <laughs> You're kidding. And, and, no, I'm preserve not the tax. Preserve the tax. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, that's that's how they try to leverage getting this law at the legislature to begin with. That a utility district sends its revenues based upon taxes. Therefore, it has an interest in preserving taxable values. And there's this huge leap that restricted covenants somehow preserve taxable values. Well, of course they don't. But get this, to make the additional leap, the statute says the board of directors can adopt a rule that in its reasonable leap, the restriction is necessary to preserve tax value. Okay, So now all of a sudden you have this legal fiction, which uh, because somebody in their, quote, reasonable belief um, that a restriction preserves tax value, that all of a sudden, uh, or value for tax purposes, that all of a sudden gives a taxing entity uh, a leg up to now try to enforce a private deed restriction. Well, of course they don't preserve values, and there's no basis for the for the quote reasonable belief. But what you'll see is a HOA attorney handing the special utilities district because they're the ones who profit from this is the HOA attorneys um, a a proposed resolution for them to adopt that in their it is their reasonable belief that these restrictions preserve. Uh, the tax, you know, uh, tax, tax assessments or assessment of value for tax purposes. Well, Sue, did they conduct? How can you have a reasonable belief? You know, just a just a pure, um, you know, it's almost like a religion. Um, just because you say this, it doesn't mean that your belief has any basis in reason whatsoever. Did they contact an appraiser? No. Is having a trash can out or hidden from view? You know, by at 10 a.m. the morning a pickup or something like that uh does if you go talk to an appraisal will they appraiser do they even look at restrictive covenants do they even look at compliance as to whether that has any impact on value of course they don't none of these people are licensed to make an assessment of value and none of the things that they're doing have any impact this is all about uh, trying to be the private police and collecting fines and attorney's fees from enforcing what are really frivolous, ridiculous restrictions that have absolutely no the restrictions on freedom. They're not restrictions that have anything to do with creating value for anybody except the HOA attorney uh, and the, well, the district tries to collect fines. What's, what's even worse with this kind of district 
is it threatens to cut off your water if you don't pay the fine. So, you know, Texas tried to curb the unlawful priority of payment scam and the fee pyramiding that this trade group would engage in to threaten you with foreclosure if you didn't pay all these fees to the management company under the pretext that it was the HOAs. It all went to the management company. And uh, so that got, kind of got curbed, but especially utility districts, they threatened to cut off your water because they will adopt a rule, and guess who recommended this, that you owe them a fine if you're in violation of a restrictive covenant that they had no part of. That there, It's, it's kind of like you know, uh, um, if you didn't follow uh, some amusement park's uh, rule uh, about where to park um, at their facility, that the water utility to your house can now somehow uh, cut off, charge you a fine, and because they're both the former is a private organization or, or private, you know, um, it's it's its property. But somehow, if you didn't follow its rules, the utilities are the fine. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. Bill, these things are deadly. I think this entire HOA and this entire nonsense about protecting property values is literally deadly. I keep thinking, when you talked about trash cans, I keep thinking of Andrea Barnes, a young mother who was hounded and harassed because her trash can was allegedly visible from the street, and it had to be in the backyard. Now, she was sick. She had a pro she had Menier's disease, which is a balance problem. It's in the ears, and pushing things. I mean, she was, she was physically not 100%. Um, and she told them she was disabled, and they wanted to know why she didn't just didn't look disabled. I mean, she didn't didn't need a walking stick. She didn't need a wheelchair. So obviously, she was not disabled, and she could do exactly what they wanted her to do. They hounded her, Bill. They hounded her and harassed her, and they parked in front of her house and they took pictures, and they went after the kids. They got the school involved. Bill, this is toxic. This is toxic. It is deadly to the point where she could no longer take it. She committed suicide, leaving behind kids because somebody, some idiot, decided they could see her trash can from the street. And that was reducing their property values. And we just simply and sweetly could not have that. Bill, this has got to stop. There's no two ways uh, about it. It has to stop. I agree. Uh, I'll, I'll share a a uh, defense that was necessitated by, you know, overzealous uh, HOA attorneys and HOA management companies, you know, scheming for more ways to make money to begin with. But uh, I've had several situations where a couple went out and, and got – some pets um, because that was their solace in dealing with the HOA. The, the HOA was yeah. just so overwhelming uh, and trying to control. And a lot of times where I live, these are people on acreage, you know, like I don't, I'm not talking about, a, you know, 3000 square foot lot. I'm talking about, you know, uh, minimum one acre, six acres or more. And some, 
any of this about it said, oh, you have a pet turtle. The restrictions don't allow, you know, pet turtles or something like that. So what we did is we said, you know what, um, you, you, got, you got this because the HOA was, I mean, the HOA is depressing. You know, you, you don't take them up. You need to go get a, a doctor's opinion and have an assessment. But after just talking to you, I understand why you got the pet. And sure enough, um, and, and, and keep in mind, one of them was a rural area where uh, cattle, the HOA, can can get grant releases to the entire property for cattle to roam over the property. But you're not allowed. So you can have cows in your backyard that aren't yours. But you're not allowed mm-hmm. to have a goat or any other kind of pet. It's just a very strange situation there. And so, you know, sure enough, had the lady diagnosed by uh, a psychiatrist, and uh, she needed to give us for emotional support. And so uh, what that allows us to do is you have one spouse who qualifies, uh, get a emotional support, you know, statement um, from a physician, essentially, psychiatrist, and um, an HOA's done on that. Then they can't pursue the other spouse, and the statute of limitations runs on it. So now they got no, they got nothing. And, and none of this would have been necessary, but for the um, absurd, overreaching, and intrusive nature of you know, basically it's just some people that don't like other people, so they want to mess with them. And it's like, okay, well, we're going to use all the defenses at hand. We do, and the HOA ran a big. You know, uh, attorney fees. So the HOA attorney got paid. Then they couldn't recover it, and um, uh, they had to uh, walk away, change their name, and do uh, quite a few other things to avoid uh, getting sued for violations of the Fair Fair Housing Act. So um, uh, uh, there are ways to fight them. you do have to be creative, and I, I consider all this stuff fair because you're you're in a situation where it's an unlevel playing field to begin with. Yeah, no, I no, I agree with you, and um, I think the fair housing laws are probably some of the best things. And you can actually, it takes forever in a day, um, get the government to to do the investigating. But here's the thing: if a case is being investigated, the HOA cannot cannot interfere and cannot say and do anything. And if they do, you can report them, and that adds to the penalties and and all the stuff that comes down on them. But, Bill, we have something that, as I said earlier, it's toxic. It's it's a deadly thing. You know, you can't make it pretty by putting a ribbon in its hair, for God's sakes. It's a toxic uh, plan. We've got to get rid of it. You can't fix it, Bill. You can't fix it. I agree. I, I don't think we can do anything about condos because that's just unfortunately a, they're a creature statute to begin with. But for regular housing, you know, and see, I'll say, oh, what about all these? They're desperate for, for these places to perpetually have amenities so that they can't say, get rid of something to take care of them. But, you know, I think a bunch of the amenities ought to be shut down, tore down. Um, these aren't governments; they're, they're private entities, and they should be able to dispose of of assets. Um, and when it's convenient, they do that all the time. I had one in San Antonio where we couldn't figure out one of the management. They sued my guy, and we noticed. Well, wait a minute! They just gave away 65 acres of prime land to the city that belonged to the subdivision, 
to the city of San Antonio for no compensation and even the restricted cause provided that if they did something like that, the HOA had to be shut down and the proceeds um, of, this, of the sale were to be distributed first to – if there was a process for how it was supposed to be done, and, and none of that ever took place. And it's like, well, somebody uh, brokered a significant land deal and got paid, and of course that's not indicated anywhere. The homeowners now, um, why are the assessments – uh, even there, if all this land, which it didn't require a whole lot of maintenance, but it did require maintenance, but that maintenance obligation is now gone. So, and there was, you know, um, uh, realtors like to tell you that, oh, our real estate agents like to tell you that, oh, this is yours. This is your clubhouse. This is your park. This is your land. Well, it's not really yours, but they like to try to make the value of the property uh, somehow incorporate the value of that other property. Well, these people just, it was all stolen. It's all gone. And, uh, you know, you're not going to see a change in valuation from the county or anyone else as to the uh, assessed value of the homes. That's not going to change. Why are these, why did the assessments of the HOA not just disappear entirely? Why didn't the HOA go away when the land was all, um, you know, gone? <laughs> It's like the mysterious wild bug in the planet. There's a black hole there you can't see. It's the HOA management company and the HOA attorney that are that need this system to continue their livelihoods um, at the expense of everyone else. And I, I'm ready to put them out of business. <laughs> they, don't, they don't need this. No, I, I, I agree. No, it, it's it's really bad because how many millions of Americans own property or think they own property in these godforsaken creatures yeah and yet this is the biggest scam on earth yeah and, and, biggest... and, and, and you can't it's hard to get around it because the local governments here and i'm sure everyone else are mandating them in order to avoid liabilities for local government to maintain streets and you know, take care of things like that and uh it's really unfair because the people in these subdivisions do not get a break um on the taxes they have to pay, the county, you know, if you're really going to do an appraisal, then how about a perpetual lien that can never be paid off on your house? How would you like to factor that in? It's not the local government, it's for a private entity. How would you like to factor that in into the value of the property? Um, yeah. You know, this perpetual yeah. liability. How about factoring yeah. that in if you're going to give us the value of something? Yeah. And um, Absolutely. Uh, that should evaluate. That, good, good point, Bill. Good point. Then people need to understand that. It's like a mortgage you'll never pay off. Yeah, they just keep paying forever. Uh, and what the difference is, uh, the, the HOA didn't actually give you anything. <laughs> and in most places, in most places at least here, it has no obligation to you. So you you have this obligation to pay. Yeah, back, back in, I think it was the late 70s or early 80s, there was some case law in Texas where, uh, you know, residential rent was decoupled from the from the uh, landlord's obligation to provide a habitable, uh, you know, warranty of habitability. So if you, so that if the place, if something happened to it, you still have this obligation to pay rent even though for, for housing. That continue to run even if the housing wasn't available to you. Well, that that seems quite absurd, doesn't it? If this is really a contract, 
then if you're paying for housing and it's not available to you, then you shouldn't have then, – then either the landlord should have to cover by providing you with another place, which they wouldn't have to do, or you shouldn't have to continue to pay rent. Well, at least for in the residential context, um, that basically changed to the result I was just talking about. The landlord – some have the housing, the landlord um, – they're, they're now coupled, so the landlord will either have to provide you alternative housing or your obligation to pay rent uh, it terminates, okay? And you may have a breach of contract against the landlord for not providing them the housing. Well, that doesn't apply in a commercial context, and it, right now it still doesn't apply in HOA. So why, why is there this perpetual obligation to pay money when the HOA has no obligation flowing the other direction? None. And, and see how I will tell you, oh, well, they needed to do this and this and this. Well, they're not very efficient at that stuff because they spend tons of money on on CAI attorneys and things of that nature, but then they don't necessarily accomplish the objectives. Um, uh, I can think of the subdivision I used to be in where you know they would impose these special assessments to pay for pool and everything else. Well, it, every like three years, they're back in the same situation again. I said, why not close the pool down? Oh, you'll have the crowd management company. You can't do that. No, you can't. No, no. Well, you know, you close the pool down. You don't need the special assessments, which get accompanied with here's your payment plan. And if you violate it, you're going to be uh, foreclosed on. And here's the finance charges, all of which go to the management company, not to the HOA. At least that's what it was happening here. And that's what they're, I mean, that's what they, they count on is people being in financial uh, distress or trying to put people in financial distress and they'll literally extort money from them, kind of like a payday lender, except that they're not actually lending the money. That, that's that's a, at least a payday lender gives you the money, you know, and then you have to pay it back. The HOAs, they're not giving you any money. They're just, they're just creating a, a fictional debt. You owe this money. Oh, oh, now you owe more because you didn't timely pay the money. It's Kind of, oh, except you don't really owe us. You're the management company, a quote, late fee when the management company didn't put out any money at all. Does that make any sense? Um, uh, no. And yet that's what all these management companies contract for. Again, it's, you know, it, it's something that's not, it's not workable. You touched a little bit on condos um, earlier, and we don't tend to discuss condos a lot. But having been overseas and I talk to people who live in not condos because we call them condominiums over here, but they live in a unit in a multi-unit building, which is pretty much what a condo looks, what we most of us think of um, as, as a condo. I mean, yeah, now they're building condos that are single-family homes, but they're all part and parcel of the same thing, which is another way of taking away your your rights. But I asked them, I said, what happens? You don't have a legal structure. You don't have much of anything. You know, developer comes and, and builds a building with a number of units, and you buy a unit, and um, how does it work? Do you have any problems? Do you go to court? Do you have to take anyone to court? Do people pay their fair share? You know, how does it work? Bill, they get together and they decide themselves what they want to do, and they'll discuss it. 
and they'll decide how much they want to spend. They take, you know, if, if something needs replacing, they'll have a meeting in somebody's house. They'll sit down like neighbors, and they'll talk about a mutual problem that they have, that they're all responsible for. Like the stairs need to be repaired or they need to put in or replace or repair an, an elevator, you know, whatever it happens to be. Or if there's a utility bill that's due because you've got lighting in the, you know, the main hallways that everybody does. So, you know, somebody gets the bill and says, all right, you know, here it is, let's divide it up and, and everybody paid their share. Or they might figure it out so that everybody has their own light outside their own unit and it lights up the stairway and it lights up whatever else. So they pay that and everybody pays their own share or their own utility bill. But you just don't have the stuff that you have here. I mean, I've heard from people who are complaining because somebody was being fined because they walked across the hall in, an, in a condo to their neighbor to borrow a cup of sugar. Bill, there was a rule that you cannot wear flip-flops when you're outside or hair rollers or, you know, they have a dress code. For God's sakes, whoever said you, you needed a dress code? Well, because if somebody was buying a unit and they walked in and they saw you in flip-flops, you devalued the property. So, <laughs> <laughs> you're laughing, Bill. You're laughing. Yeah, well, I mean, I, isn't I it stupid? Isn't and it? And then see, it comes back and says, "Oh, well, you can simply. It's a democracy. It's a mini democracy. You can simply vote to change the rule. Well, obviously, you, you can't when you have rules that say, well, if you're in non-compliance, essentially, you vote at the whim of who's in control because you're 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 not allowed to vote, or your vote is." Is tossed. You may not even know it if you're deemed to not be in good standing, as determined by the management company, but the, uh, supposedly but working on behalf of the board. Huh? The rules are made by the board. They don't ask you if you want those rules. They just they, yeah, right. they just write the rules. I mean, there's nothing democratically done with that. They right. are allowed to write the rules, and they do write the rules because they're protecting you. You see. You're not properly dressed, and you, you're going to devalue property. And ba-dum, ba-dum, they are in charge. How's that? How's that, uh, <laughs> I, You know, I, there, there's an attorney who, uh, rather despotic in San Antonio, represents, you know, it's funny, these guys always claim to represent hundreds of HOAs, really simultaneously. How can you be effectively representing any of them competently, you know, at, a, at any given time if you've got 99 others you represent at the same time? But at any rate, um, you know, people getting frustrated with the board uh, learn that there's a provision in their business and organizations code that allows, regardless of what the bylaws say, they can call a special meeting. And the HOA attorneys try to encourage the board, they'll make, they'll make recommendations of, because uh, unfortunately some of these HOAs, the board can, as you would be an example of, it doesn't require the homeowner approval of a change in bylaws in some cases. And so the board members will will try to, uh, uh, well, that's just an open ticket for the HOA attorney, right? 
So they'll try and adopt these rules that make it really hard to call a special meeting by the homeowner. But there's a separate provision in the in the Texas statutory scheme where, by statute, uh, members of a of a nonprofit corporation, which is what you know HOAs supposedly are, they certainly are nonprofit for the homeowners. Um, they can call a, a special meeting of members by uh, to get you know two percent of the members to uh, support such a meeting. Well, also people advertise they're going to have a special meeting. And the next thing you know, you get a letter from the uh, HOA attorney telling them, well, their meeting is not proper under in his opinion. Who asked for his opinion, right? And if he's representing the HOA corporation, then why isn't he supporting a uh, a uh, meeting of the members, which is provided for by statute? Well, the answer is obvious. He doesn't want to get fired as an attorney, and he wants the people that uh, are keeping him in position while he scratches their back to keep them in position to stay in place because it's lucrative for him. So he's going to oppose any you know attempt by homeowners to try to remove. Uh, or uh, members of the board of directors, and to uh, appoint uh, other uh, or elect other members of the board of directors, because it isn't a democracy at all. Um, you know, that's it's it's a it's a dictatorship, and they want to keep it that way. You know, Bill. Over the years, I have heard from so many people, and I know. I know that you have. You've probably heard from more people and talked to more people and being in court and heard from other attorneys. Why can't we see that what we've got is a mess? Why, why don't we see it? I mean, why are we nibbling around the edges trying to fix this? And why can't we just take a problem or something that we want and figure out a sensible way of dealing with it. You were talking about all of the common areas and the property, and it's yours, and and people buy into that. You know, here you go, Bill. I'm going to show yeah. you a house, and and guess what? This is your pool, and and for only this a is few, your clubhouse. Yeah, and, and and so somebody came on, and they were not having. They didn't like the the HOA. They were fed up with the HOA. They didn't. You know, they called me, and I talked to them. And they said, and I said, well, you know, you don't, you want to look for something that's not in an HOA? Oh, no. What do you mean, oh, no? Oh, no. I like the fact that I can walk to the pool. There's a pool right there. It's my pool. I can walk there. <laughs> and I said, you know what? There can still be a pool right there that you can walk to, but you don't have to be, you don't have to own it. You don't have to pay for it. You can pay membership fees and let Pools or Us or Off the Deep End or whatever you want to call the pool company own it and save the money and maintain it and take a good job of it and not come and make force you to lose your house because they didn't do a good job of taking of handling the finances and they didn't do a good job of maintaining the pool and now yeah. you've got something that's falling apart and that's what you claim is yours you know bill it, 
there's a different way of looking at things. The, if the important thing is, is to have a pool right there, and I can understand that, if that's what you want, and you want to walk out and just walk down around the corner or whatever and go in the pool, you can still do that. It doesn't have to be part of an HOA. It can be in right. the HOA. It can be privately owned, really privately owned, by a pool company. Same with There's no reason for your house to be tied to it or for there not to be. I mean, technically, if it was a condominium association, you could have a percentage ownership in it or a pro-rata ownership in it. But in an HOA, that's not the case. The HOA typically owns it. But as, as happened in our subdivision, it has no obligation to take care of it. So you get all these vendors, especially the management company and the HOA attorney, coming up with excuses as to why you have to increase all these assessments and try and put financial hardship on everybody. But then there's no obligation for them to actually um, use the funds to um, take care of the pool or keep it up to any standard. And, you know, um, not to mention that they can come up with weird rules to deprive you of any access to it whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so, insanity, pure and simple insanity. I mean, there's yeah. no other and word for it. If you had to voluntarily pay for it, the whoever has the pool is going to want to keep the customers right. happy. Right. And if they can't do it on an economically sound basis, then it's going to go under. If it's not going to look nice, then you know people aren't going to want to use it, and it's going to go under. But this idea that you have to give it Money, no matter what happens, is uh, of course it's a recipe for disaster. Uh, it just—it's the biggest deadbeat around. It asks for more money and and threatened, uh, like an HOA threatens you to with foreclosure unless you pay, but it has no obligation to do anything. You could lose your house because someone didn't, oh, yeah. didn't take care of the pool. And Bill, let's face it, not all board members are bad. Not everybody who raises a hand and says, "Yeah, I'll serve." are necessarily out to get you or to make a mess of things. The fact is, you're an attorney. But what do you know about building roads? I was a former yeah. nurse and a realtor. I had to make decisions on how, you know, whether we needed to repave the private roads in the association or whether a top coat would do or whether we could just fill in the cracks and let it go at that. I don't know anything about building roads. I don't know about any anything about maintaining roads. Yet I was put in a position where I had to I had a vote and I had to decide on how we went about taking care of it. And of course, we had someone who um, whose business it was and who would presumably get the job to take care of the street was pushing for redoing the whole street. And I don't know that we really ne- necessarily needed that. But the thing is, we've put people in a position where, if you know, if you're bad and you want to rob everyone blind, it's easy. You can do it, mate. Don't worry about it. Nobody's watching. Nobody knows the difference. But what if you were uh, conscientious? What if you were cautious? What if you wanted to make sure you didn't do anything really dumb, but you had no idea? You know, you, you absolutely had no idea. You went to find people to give you some advice. 
you don't go to a doctor, a cardiologist, and say, all right, what are you going to do about my my Vicky ticker? <laughs> you know, but that's in essence what you're doing. You're just putting people who are volunteering in charge of making decisions that are going to cost you lots and lots of money. It's a concept. Well, I'd rather the platform for them to be there not be there. Because the industry will want the platform there. In fact, they wanted to start compensating board of directors and making them immune from – I can pull that legislation from a few years ago – make them immune almost like a state entity yeah. where you'd have sovereign immunity from you know lawsuits and damage claims and everything else. And, of course, the management companies would be running the show. What a scary environment that would be. They could do anything they wanted to. There's nothing you could do about it. It would just be outright – you know. Uh, Professional board members, and they'd get paid. Yeah, yeah. And they'd get paid, you know, because they were professional. Now, exactly how professional were they? I don't know. Oh, self-accreditation, of course, CAI credentials. We're we're qualified. Exactly. Because our organization qualifies ourselves. So that's another expense you're going to add on to protect your property values, isn't it? Right. Oh, gosh, bro. Why can't people see what a mess it is? Why can't people uh, understand that you can't fix it? Why can't we just stop making people's lives miserable? Why do young mothers have to kill themselves and leave children motherless because they cannot take the abuse anymore? Why? I, I don't know. Uh, I think people have come to believe, you know, clearly mistakenly and with no, it's almost like religion because they've simply been told um, by, you know, various entities that, oh, this preserves property values. Where? Where? So what? Other than this, you know, unfounded belief, where is there any empirical evidence for that? Even the people that promote it have none. They, they What do they do? They come up with one article written 20 years ago about property in the D.C. area, that's the only thing that they can ever come up with. Come on. After all these foundations and studies they supposedly do, how about something other than a a survey, an opinion survey from – you know, the other thing about that I'm, – I'm returning back to the beginning of this. Okay. That opinion survey – okay. So, so to bring that in, that opinion survey, um, why does it matter what their uh, – you know, an, an opinion? How about – something empirical about it and how about uh cai divulge a little bit about the um full survey that was asked and who they asked you know they always say oh we asked 800 people really were they all members and employees of cai management companies telling you that oh yeah we love them we represent hundreds of homeowners and we can tell you that our homeowners are happy yeah the ones you're <laughs> You know what you're trying to foreclose on to collect late fees? I'm sure they're all happy. Um, You know, the first time they did this, I had just started. I don't think I even had on the commons yet. I think this was another the first show I did, HOA Talk. And um, I, I did it live, and I had the, I didn't have, always have a guest online because my phone was usually, when I had a guest, it was usually tied up. So I would open up the phone lines and have people call in. And, of course, when they were, you know, when people would call in and they'd 
listen and they'd talk about things and they'd say, did anybody ask you, were you part of this, <laughs> of this survey? <laughs> did CAI call you and say, are you happy, happy, happy? <laughs> and I said, if anybody out there did get a call, please call me. Here's the number. Not one <laughs> person <laughs> called. The people who called me said, sure, you're terrible. <laughs> We never talk to anyone. Yeah, it's a mystery audience that they uh, get there, ask the questions, and who knows what the actual list of questions was or how the data has been filtered. But it's irrelevant. If people can't, don't really have a choice, but to, you know, the vast majority of the population here has no choice but to buy HOA building property. It's not that they want yeah. it. It's, it's, I mean, I've given this example several times before. You know, in Houston, cockroaches are numerous. Do not confuse numerosity with popularity. That doesn't mean that people <laughs> like them or want them. You know, it's just that they're there yeah. and they're difficult to eradicate. And, you know, um, here, uh, there's, you know, they've been putting HOAs and everything for decades. So it's really hard to find. Not, I mean, we searched for two years to find non HOA property. And, um, so the vast majority of the population can't possibly get it, but the property that tends to be non-HOA um, is some of the more desirable property. And I, I, why doesn't that ever show up in CAI stuff? It's like, why is it that the most desirable property is in fact a property that isn't HOA burdened at all? You know, people, that's what people want to end in around here. Uh, when somebody puts a, pro, a house up for sale, in a neighborhood that doesn't have an HOA, they advertise I guarantee it. you that they absolutely advertise it. Those houses are going, I kid you not, shoe, in one to three days. They're under contract. You know, if they put if they list it on a Friday, it's under contract over the weekend. Um, in fact, we <laughs> we were we were second to well, we thought we were first. We were the second showing on one of those houses, and we crossed paths with the. First people come out of the house, it was back-to-back -back showings, and we walk in, and while we were looking at the house, you know, uh, we were told, oh, the previous buyers have already put an offer in. Yeah. It's like, you know, that's how quick that they're going. Yeah. And so to, to tell me that HOAs, preserve property values, or somehow have anything that assists with sale is bogus. How, how could it, when you can't even get the information, you know, the management companies want to charge hundreds of dollars to provide information that the HOA should be forced to be providing for free if this is truly an investment and in like stock. A, a regular company has to put out a prospectus. Those are free. Okay, so why do you have to pay hundreds of dollars, which doesn't usually go to the HOA, it goes to the management company, yeah. to get information about the HOA? Why is it all secret? You know? Um, because the, it, initially it was the uh, the association who had to provide it, and the manager, whether it was an executive director or a manager with a management company with a contract, um, did the work because they were hired. On, you know, they were hired to do the work of the association. So those things were free initially in Virginia. You you got them. You got a copy of the governing documents. You got a copy of whatever it was that the law at the time said. Then they decided, oh, you see the management, it's extra work for the management companies, and you know what? They need to get reimbursed for this. 
And they were charging astronomical fees to the point where they, the, the legislators had to come in and cap it. Oh, yeah, it's a profit center. I mean, it's, <laughs> they, don't, they don't want there to be another source center. What they want is a monopoly on providing the information. And it, it, in Texas, you know, you're supposed to provide notice that the property may be subject to a mandatory, meaning involuntary membership HOA. Okay, except the notice says that restrictions have been or will be recorded. Well, if they haven't been recorded, how are you? Which, if they're recorded, it's public information. You can go to county clerk and get a copy. But you know, this industry for years has said you knew it when you moved in here. You know, when in fact this stuff was a big secret because it wouldn't be recorded. Things like bylaws and things like that. You did, you know, you couldn't get a copy of them even if you tried. And then when you go to litigation, all of a sudden the other side says, oh, here's the bylaws. And, uh, <laughs> and, and we can stop all this kind of stuff. We can do this type of thing. I suggest that this in any way was some kind of democracy or that this is a, 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 an information level uh, a playing field or that the homeowner or prospective buyer had access to this information beforehand is ludicrous. And these days, because you can't escape them, um, Yes, you could avoid you could avoid buying a property if you don't have the information. But the way the statute's set up, that really only hurts the person trying to sell the home. It's really designed to ensure that the management company still gets their um, money. So what happens is the the sale of the house gets threatened, um, which doesn't hurt the management company or the HOA. It only hurts the, the homeowners burdened by the HOA. So, you know, there needs to be penalties against the management camp, the managing agents for uh, failing to disclose this information. The HOA should be obligated to provide a lot of this stuff for free. And, and you know, if it's such a desirable place to live, then there shouldn't be a huge amount of turnover, right? And and um, it, it it should be able to – I don't – why is why is the sole purpose of the HOA to take money from the homeowners and give it to everyone else? You know, the management company, the HOA attorney, local government. <laughs> it's like the government. They just take your tax dollars and they just sprinkle it all over the world. But at least the local government is supposed to be obligated to provide certain services, unless, of course, you're in San Francisco, Portland, or New York. But everywhere <laughs> else, you know, we don't, we don't t- tend to tolerate that kind of stuff. So We shouldn't. Uh, we yeah. really and truly shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> but let's try and fix HOAs first. <laughs> okay, I don't see I don't see any way that they can. Um, there needs to be an alternative. Uh, they cannot be fixed. That is a worthless exercise that employs numerous lobbyists from the other side to try and prevent any kind of fixing, um, so that they can maintain the bilking. But they're not fixable. That's that's. The idea that you're going to fix it is the whole idea is flawed to begin with. <laughs> it's just it's incompatible with fundamental concepts that we've all, uh, you know, since you know children are going to school learn about uh, civics and property rights and things like this, and this is completely inconsistent with any of those things. Well, what do you I mean think... I don't? I can't vote. What do you mean? What do you mean I don't have the right of use and enjoyment? What do you mean I can't sell my property without having to pay a private fee to this? And nothing to harm me the whole time with transfer fees. uh, How about I have to sell my property, but you have to come in and decide what I have to do before I put it on the market? 
Right. And I need to somehow get a resale certificate from you. That's that's worse than renting the property. Renters have greater rights than a than an owner would have. Those all go against that's restraints against the inability to pay transfer fees or require these resale certificates. Yeah. Some of these HOAs have provisions proclaiming they can enter into your property to you know, to look for things. Uh, basically you're deemed to or the other side's argument is that you've deemed to consented to it up front. It's like this is not consistent with ownership. Um, and, and there's a reason why we have cases that invalidate restricted covenants and covenants and conditions all the time because there's always somebody trying to play a, a, a bigger game of trying to skin you know, prospective buyers over and over and residual income streams forever. And that's why you know you have these cases that invalidate these things. Um, They've been going on for for hundreds of years, and the, the resale certificates and the uh, transfer fees are restraints against inability. The uh, entry of your property is a pro- is really a problem with your exclusive use because exclude means you have the right to exclude others. If you can't exclude the HOA, that's <laughs> not really an exclusive you know use. Um, uh, your own use and enjoyment. Well, you can't do that with all these restrictions on it. And pretty soon, what uh, what typical stick of ownership even exists that hasn't been whittled down to, you know, a nub? I mean, th- this isn't consistent with the ideas of ownership. This should be called a very, very, very expensive rent. And, Bill, we're, we're out of time, but I suppose next what they'll do is make the HOA co-owner of the house, right? Oh, legally, they have to pay taxes, <laughs> but what they want is all the rights of ownership without the obligations of ownership. And that's kind of what this is about. That's right. Bill, thank you so much. Um, I always love having you you on. Uh, Wow. I always love coming on. So thank you. And I know you're sitting in a parking lot, but you sound really good today. Wherever you are, it works. (laughs) I will come back to this spot again. Thank you, Bill. You take care. Thanks to everyone. Thanks for joining us. Please make sure you tune in. We'll be here every week. check out our website at onthecommons.us. On the Commons is produced by OTC Multimedia Productions. Well, I finally bought my dream home to enjoy retirement life. I've made new friends and buddies, lots of parties for my wife. It seemed that life was perfect, all my neighbors felt the same. Then along came death by CCRs, life's over, I'm fair game. Those petty rules and regulations, it's enough to make you cry. They're full of woes, no pink flamingos, someone tell us why. Slick managers and lawyers slither close, but they won't tell. Why our dream home should remind us We bought a one-way ticket to hell 
there's lots of open meetings close to Justice 4HO. Those arrogant board members say what they want you to know. The CAI and ULI will help you lose it all. But I wouldn't sell that dream home yet. The writing's on the wall. Those petty rules and regulations, it's enough to make you cry. They're full of woes, no pink flamingos, someone tell us why. Slick managers and lawyers slither close, but they won't tell. Why our dream home should remind us we bought a one-way ticket to hell. Not afraid or stupid, all your threats mean nothing here. Time marches on, soon you'll be gone, united we'll be there. So put your rules and CCRs up where the sun don't shine. And enjoy those precious golden years, stop messing around with mine. Those petty rules and regulations, it's enough to make you cry. They're full of woes, no pink flamingos, someone tell us why. Slick managers and lawyers slither close, but they won't tell. Why our dream home should remind us we bought a one-way ticket to hell. Why our dream home should remind us we bought a one-way ticket to hell.